Last week, there was, um, it was a little bit unique that I preached in the first service, but all those that were baptized opted to be in the second service, so I didn't really get to preach the same sermon in the first service. And I'm starting a little two or three week series, I don't know how long it will go, and it has to do with random thoughts on division, unity, and true power. And you know, I love that title, Random Thoughts, because that's, that's like, I, don't, I get to say anything I want. It's just a random thought. I, I'm feeling like I'm going to name all of my sermon series now, Random Thoughts On. And, and a guy with ADD like I have, um, it, there's a freedom and an anointing that comes on you. Speaking of random, I just heard about a cat and a mouse that died and went to heaven on the same day. And they'd been there a few weeks, and St. Peter went up to the mouse and said, hey, how's it going? And he goes, oh, it's, it's kind of good. I, I like it. It's, it's real big. You think you could get me a pair of roller skates? St. Peter said, I think we could do that. And he got the mouse a pair of roller skates. A couple weeks went past, and he saw the cat, and he asked the cat, How, how's it going? The cat said, well, just when I think it can't get any better, it does. And by the way, thanks for the Meals on Wheels. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't know, it has nothing to do with my sermon, but this is a sermon called Random Thoughts on Stuff. I do want to pull from one of my favorite movies. I've seen three movies in like the last 40 years, and this one's in the top two. Uh, Christopher Robin and the 100 Acre, what, 100 Acre Woods? where what to do, what to do, and um, that's not a misspell there, what to do, what to do, it'll make sense a little bit later, because everything's random this morning, we'll pull it together at some point, now last week we talked about, we, we launched out from the Tower of Babel, and the, it's in Genesis 11, and you know this, the first 12 chapters in the book of Genesis are action-packed. Creation, the fall, the flood, and then the Tower of Babel, and then Genesis 12 opens up, and it's the Abrahamic covenant and the blessing. And so last week, we started from the Tower of Babel, and I want to pick up here again, because I think there are some um, uncanny parallels to the season in which we find ourselves. Now, everybody knows about the Tower of Babel, but let's read together from Genesis chapter 11, because I want this fresh on your minds and on your hearts. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They were, they were becoming industrious. They had resources that they could do something with. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. That's a big verse right there. We want to we make ourselves a city. And it's interesting, the bigger the city, the more evil there is in that place where populations reside. But we want it to protect us from being spread out and vulnerable. And we want it to have a religious component too. We want to do something that we can get God to come or we can come reach to him. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all, they have all, one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing they, that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Everybody listen. This is God not afraid that they're going to build something to reach to heaven. That's foolish. But man attempts foolish things, right? Come on. Man attempts really foolish things. And pride can, do, can make you stupid. And it makes you do things that just, if you backed up and just took an objective look at yourself you'd realize how foolish that is. This isn't God afraid that they're going to build a tower and actually get to heaven. This is God saying, 
when, unit, when men are unified, when people are truly unified around something evil, even that is scary. That's what God is saying. Verse 7, come let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused, and that's what that word means, confused or chaos, confusion or chaos, I should say, the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, they all, they had one language. If I ask you, what's the Tower of Babel about? You would say what Wikipedia, collective editing wisdom and, and trivial thoughts or ideas, knowledge, you would say probably what Wikipedia says. The Tower of Babel has to do with the giving of different languages and the separating of people that created the races. And I'm not going to go into either of those, but that's not the main point. If you think that's the main point, you're missing the point of this story. That's not the main point, even though that happened. So in summary right here, we see the whole earth had one language, and they found a place and settled there. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower. Let's make a name for ourselves. And what we see here in Genesis, these first nine verses, is pride, prestige, and a lust for power. And that's what we all deal with. All of us, pride is just our desire to feel special about ourselves. It's about power. It's about, I, I want to be in control in all worldly pursuits. In fact, if you think about it, almost all of our educational institutions are about helping you get power so you can be in control. There are a few exceptions now in the in the realm and world of education but most it's about you not having to work the third shift so that you can have something that everybody else wants that you can be up higher where fewer people get to be and we don't understand the lust for power in our culture and I could break this down even churches have fallen prey to this and most of our sermons are consumeristic Pastors dangle a carrot and say, if you do this that God's asking you, here's what you get. And while much of that is true, we come at it from the wrong angle. But in our lust for power, even, listen to me, the things that we do to get higher on the ladder, even the things we do with our children and their sports endeavors, and the more committed we become to those things so they can have prestige or a sense of, I'm special. I got the trophy. We, we move up further where there are fewer people and we're further away from the people and we continue to be separated in our lust for power over the things that are pure that we really need. And in this lust for power, these people build a tower. And it's about prestige as well. I want, I want people to look at me and envy what I have and who I am. And this is our culture, brothers and sisters. Learning how to get power is fundamental motivation to do what most people do most of the time. We want people to want what we have. That makes us feel special. And the Lord came down in the midst of this and witnessed the power of their unity as they were unified around an evil purpose. And the Lord divided them. The New King James Version says, He scattered them. Enough of that. He dispersed them, one translation says. And He did it by, listen, confusing their language. What they said wasn't clear, it was confusing and chaotic. What happened in Genesis chapter 11, brothers and sisters? is what is taking place in our world today. Naomi Rosenblatt said, every generation builds its towers. And to understand 
Babel or to understand this story and, and to realize it's about more than languages and races, you have to under, first understand that Babel is about Babylon. It's about a place that became a spirit that resides. Babylon is when the state has gone mad. Babylon is when the culture has lost her way and gone crazy. Babylon is about, listen, greed and self-indulgence. Greed and self-indulgence. Revelation talks a lot about Babylon in the end times and what Jesus will do when he exposes the spirit of Babylon. In Romans, I'm sorry, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. We see in Revelation, Jesus says that the spirit of Babylon has impacted or affected all nations. In Revelation 17, verse 5, the Bible calls Babylon the great. She's the mother, listen to this term, the mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. She, she only gives birth to things and people who get prostituted. She's the mother of all the earth's abominations. Those things that run contrary to the will of God and the kingdom of God. The spirit of Babylon is the one that births these things. And it gets started in Genesis 11. Pride, prestige, and a lust for power. We see the danger today of becoming prideful and arrogant. We see a culture that is convinced she doesn't really need God. Babylon symbolizes worldly pride, moral corruption, and defiance against God. Babylon represents the world system that opposes God, hates Jesus Christ, and appeals to the baser appetites of human nature. It's about greed and self-indulgence. And that's our world. That's our culture. I want more. I can't have enough. When is wealthy, wealthy enough? Come on, people. How much do you have to have? In a capitalistic, consumeristic culture, greed, the lust for more, the insatiable desire. Why is that? Because you can't build a tower to get you to heaven. Your effort will never make you feel what only God can F-I-L-L feel. You can't do it. We see the danger Babylon symbolizes. Greed and self-indulgence where James chapter 3 verse 16 says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, every form of evil and chaos exists. We are a greedy people. Wall Street lies. Politicians lie. Everybody lies. There are lies and deceit everywhere. Why? Because people want more. More what? Power. The Bible clearly tells us that's not a recipe for happy living. Mark Driscoll says this about the spirit of Babylon. The demonic spirit of Babylon was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Nazi Germany is in North Korea and Iran. The spirit of Babylon runs drug cartels and human trafficking is writing curriculum for students from kindergarten through graduate school, is architecting political platforms and cultural narratives in everything from movies to television shows and enjoys surfing the internet and causing social media trends. No one, no thing, and no place is immune from the demonic influence of the spirit of Babylon. And this is what is breaking out. In Genesis chapter 11, at the Tower of Babel, it's the birthing of the evil spirit of Babylon. And what does God do? God does what needs to be done. He divides the people. He separates. This isn't God just going, I want people with different skin tone and I want different dialects. That's not what God's doing. God is saying, I'm not going to let you. We just destroyed the 
whole population except one family by flooding. Mike, Dr. Michael Heiser says that Genesis 11 is the Romans 1 of the Old Testament. That God is like, I, I can't take it anymore. This is, this is too much. And he turns them over, as Romans 1 says. And what God does here, he separates, he divides them. He says, no, you're not going to build this. And I want you to know, there is a time when God, hear me, brothers and sisters, there is a time when God causes and calls for division and separation. In the very next chapter, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says Abraham was told to get out, to leave your family. You have to leave your father's house. And there's a whole sermon series right there. God is saying, what I want to do in you and through you can't be done where you are. You're going to have to separate yourself from some things that are limiting you. We see it all through the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 and 17. Paul says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Verse 17, come out, separate from them. John 17, Jesus is praying for unity. But he's praying, Father, let them be in the world, but separate from the world. And here in Genesis 11, we see that God is the one who brings the separation and the division. Hear me, hear me. We are in a time unlike any other. Greed and selfish ambition, the spirit of Babylon, is blatantly manifesting itself. Now, let me just pause and say, if you're sick of me getting up here almost every week and talking about the current state of our culture and our world, join the crowd. I'm tired of it. But as I pray and lead spiritually, I cannot stand up here and go on with business as usual. I think... There's going to be a break after this week. There's not going to be any more newsworthy events where 95% of the world misinterprets what happened, why it happened. And then something happens, and I'm like, we have to stand up and help people understand that the Bible speaks to what we're going through. And what we're going through is another effort by the elites to build a tower a tower of power and prestige, a tower of pride. Now, what to do, what to do. What do we do? I'm glad you asked that question. How are we to live? Now look at me, as my heart breaks and my blood pressure goes up about the current situation, I want you to know it, my heart breaks because I see how people are being misled. My heart breaks because I believe Jesus, as he wept over the city of Jerusalem, he said, you missed your time of visitation. My heart breaks. My blood pressure goes up because I'm standing against the, the force of darkness, not with some little measly hope. I'm standing as a spiritual leader, as a husband, as a father and a grandfather, knowing the sovereign God of the universe does have it all under control. It doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. We look in his word, we see what he tells us to do, and we do it with a hope and a confidence that we are going to be all right. And I don't know what all of that means. But I don't have to. I just have to obey. I don't know how we're going to get there. But I know what the Bible says. That's why I have a smile on my face and joy in my heart. And sometimes tears running down my cheek. The Bible is true. Can I get a witness? Oh, come on. Y'all got a Sunday morning, North Atlanta, first service. The Bible is true. Now, what to do? How are we to live? The Tower of Babel was a prideful attempt to be powerful, be in control, make the other nations want a name like ours. We, hear me. What we are not to do is go, all right, we'll build a tower too. And there is a, there is a 
a biblical, I shouldn't say that, there is a Christian response to go, we'll build a wider, we'll build a wider based tower that can go higher than yours. And, and we got more, and we're going to get more votes. We're going to get closer. We're going to have the power. And that's not the way God's word challenges us to respond. How does it challenge us to respond? Psalm 133. Pack your bag. Put your seatbelt on. Y'all ready? Y'all ain't ready. Ain't nobody got time for this. Y'all ready? Come on, are y'all ready? I'm asking you this because do you realize what time it is? Do you realize what time it is? I'm not talking about what time it is. Do you realize what time it is? We only get to do this once a week, and we need the Holy Spirit to fall in this place, his word to come alive, our hearts to be transformed, the fire of God to fall so that we get passion for him and his kingdom. I got my share. All right, now, Psalm 133. Don't you love when the Bible says words like this? Behold, and we read it, behold. This is John going, behold, the Lamb of God we've waited for centuries. Behold. This is David, the king who inherited a divided kingdom. All kinds of political maneuvering, junk, the tribes fighting. This is David realizing, oh, now that we are a united kingdom, look what he says. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, please don't miss this. He says, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew, what to do, what to do of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. It's for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now you're sitting there going, we've read that. No, I don't see anything so special about that. That's the problem. That's why I have passion. Let's break that down. There's three things going on here. One is... He's saying how blessed it is, supernatural things happen when the brethren, that's us, when believers, we who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who sent the Messiah, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It's a beautiful thing. Why? Because two things happen. The first is, in three times he says, it's something that runs down, runs down. It's like the oil that runs down from Aaron's head, runs down from Aaron's beard, runs down to Aaron's and drips off of the high priest's collars or the, the hem of his robe. Notice, three times it says, runs down, it comes down, it falls down. Why? Because as I said last week, our effort to work things up to win is an effort to, to build a different tower. And the things that, listen, the things that we re need right now in the world are not things any party can work up. It's the things that when the believers get in the right place, God sends down. Y'all are not out there. Well, hold on, don't, don't clap, don't give me that gratuitous, Thanks for trying. Clap. In fact, don't clap. You're wasting my time. Anointing. Oil. That's not just a biblical Old Testament Jewish custom. He's speaking about, listen, ministry that moves beyond niceties. He, it's, a, it's ministry that, that breaks the yoke, that brings deliverance. Most of us haven't seen ministry like that in years, if ever. Forgive the clergy in this country for running the church of God like it's a business with clever corporate strategies and forms of entertainment that just leaves us a little bit impressed. God, restore 
the anointing that makes men and women preach and sound like they are from another world. Give us the anointing. Psalm 133 says, when the brothers, when the believers are united, things flow down that make a difference. Oh, I could park right here. God, give us minutes. How many of you are just tired of packed buildings and, and nice facilities and great locations with cool websites and young, hip pastors? Tired of it. This is why God is saying in this two-year season, enough. I'm going to separate and divide, and there's a shaking going on. And I believe God is waking the church up to realize that some of us have been in dead churches. Yes, I said it, and I'm not apologizing for it. God has had enough of people grandstanding. God has had enough of pastors turning their flocks into places where they can fleece the sheep and make a name for themselves. God is tired of us coming to a place and landing there and go, we're gonna, we got it now. We're going to build something and make everybody else want what we have. I can talk like this because I am a pastor. And I run with pastors. And I know how pastors think. Don't ever let me think like that. Don't ever get impressed with me. Don't ever get impressed with me. If you ever do, talk to her for 15 minutes. She'll bring you right back down. And I say that with all due, with love and respect. If God does anything in this place, and he has, it's not because of anything I've done, except for maybe praying and leading and challenging people to pray. Oh, God, give us the anointing. Are y'all like, how many of you know the kind of anointing I'm talking about? How many of you hunger for that kind of anointing in the house of God? The second thing he says is, I don't have a whole lot of time to park here, but he says it'll be like the dew that falls on Mount Hermon. And now listen, travelers today say that's, that's, that was, that's a mountain that's the highest peak in all of Israel. It's at about 10,000 feet. And travelers today, I've been there but not up on the mountain. Travelers say the morning, even after, not after it rains, but just in the morning, it's so wet like it did rain. And he says here, when the brothers dwell together in unity, it'll be like a dew that falls. And it, it makes its way all the way down to a lower region 200 miles away in Zion, Mount Zion. Now look right here. The dew speaks of, in Deuteronomy 32, what's it speak of? The word of God. Listen, that you get early in the morning and that it keeps you from being dry and crusty. And in an agricultural culture where the rainfall was the business of growing things you can eat, you need the dew like we do. We need that word early in the morning that refreshes us and nourishes. I could park right there. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? When, the bre when, when God brings the brethren together, there's an anointing. There's spiritual, supernatural capacity. And there is sustenance, economy, life supplication and then what does he end he says this there listen oh god commands the blessing you may have read that 50 times do you understand do you understand what the word just said right there where zion what is zion he says when they live together in unity there's an anointing and there's dew that falls and makes a difference and refreshes, keeps things from drying up, being crusty. And there in Zion, in Zion, he commands the blessing. He commands 
the blessing. In Zion, what does Zion mean? Zion means one of three different things. It's, it's, it's a part of ancient Jerusalem. It's also, Jerusalem is also often referred to as Zion. Or Zion means dwelling place. Don't miss what I'm saying right here. Dwelling. Where does God dwell? Where people praise him. He, Psalm 22, verse 3, he's enthroned amidst the praises of his people. I'm going somewhere that's powerful for us in this season, and I sense prophetic utterance. I sense life coming out of me for what God has put in me. He commands the blessing where in Zion, where he dwells, where people are worshiping him. God says, I will attend to and command that those places are blessed. Now, many of you know this is a core scripture verse of mine as a pastor and as a husband and father. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5. I've said it to you many times. And basically, it's here. Listen, please, I, I, I'm, I'm delivering things that are not easy that you can miss them. In Isaiah chapter 4, this is the prophet going, God's speaking about when I bring you out of Babylon, when I deliver you from all those false gods, all those, that culture of power, prestige, when I deliver you from that, God says, it's my heart to establish your dwelling, my glory where you live. And he says, in your dwelling places where you live and in your assemblies, God wants to establish his glory. He wants to make us a place where you lived. He wants to make it a place where he commands that it's blessed. He wants to make the place where his people gather and it's not a show. And there's not a, a leader writing books. But there's a shepherd there, a prophet, an oracle, somebody who declares the word of God. God says, in those assemblies, I'm going to command my blessing in those places. Oh, people. Page three of nine pages. <laughs> I'm just kidding. As I woke up this morning, the Lord gave me this. When Christians are unified, there is anointing for breakthrough ministry, provision for physical and spiritual needs, and God commands a blessing upon them, life forevermore. How many of you are glad? How many of you believe God's word is true? Listen, it doesn't say, well, when they're building a tower called COVID, I'm I'll try to get my blessing there. It says forevermore. I have holy boldness coming on me right now. Pray for me that I won't say anything out of his will. Brothers and sisters, we better wake up. What's happening in our culture and in our world is crazy, crazy, crazy. But God is the one who commands the blessing, life forevermore. Now, it's Pentecost Sunday, right? Drawing a picture and bringing things to an end right here on these random thoughts that I'm going to tie together. They were building something evil, but they were united, and they were about to do lots of damage. God's response in the New Testament to what he did in the Old Testament is found in Acts chapter 2 where we see the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, 50 days after the first day after Passover. Pentecost literally means 50th. And where God in Genesis 11 divides them, listen, because in Genesis 9... Don't miss this. Genesis 9, after the flood, he told the sons of Noah, spread out, be fruitful, multiply, cover the earth. 
Two chapters later, they found a place, Shinar, which becomes Babylon. And they go, ah, this is, we like it. God said, do this. They didn't do it. And they built something. When you build something in a place that God is not blessing, you're building something that God is not going to bless. Because you are in rebellion. In Acts chapter 2, what happens? you got to ask yourself, what happened the, first, the chapter before that? What was it? Jesus said to them, do not leave Jerusalem. Remember, he said it like this. Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave until you have received the gift my Father has promised. And what did they do? For 10 days, they prayed all day long. We don't know how many hours, but that is tarrying. And because they didn't rebel, they obeyed the word. God brought them to what the scripture says. They were in one place and in one accord. And what happened? Great things happened. Look what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the word of God. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Come on, can you say amen? I just read from, the, from God's word. Now, right now at Restoration, closing with this, we are in one place and one accord. And, and I, I preach a sermon like this, and I go, if I was Chuck and Candace Restoration Church member, I would ask, what's the net for me? And I'm going to get there by, by answering this. It's important that we're, everybody understand one place and one accord. In today's world, it's hard for everybody to get into one place, which happens to be 410 Rucker Road, Alpharetta, Georgia, 30004. Even though we are in the city of Roswell. Go figure it out. Fulton County down there trying to build a tower. They did. We're in Alpharetta, but we're in Roswell. Let them fight it out. We're, we're somewhere stuck in the middle. But that's our place. But listen, the greater your lust for power, the harder it will be for you to be able to regularly get in the same place with your brothers and sisters and fulfill Psalm 133 and your children as well. So they were in one place and then COVID hit and made it the only thing we were able to do for, for years. And some churches are still there to some degree. We're only able to get into the same Facebook page or the same live stream. And thank God for that, right? That helped us. We were able to survive because we were at least able to see and hear each other. But the Bible says they were in one place, and then it says one accord. Everybody look here. I think one of the things that's happened at Restoration that's really pretty simple, it's no profound leadership, is we've just declared who we are. And who we are is, to the best of our ability, we are what God's Word calls us to believe. And so we have identified ourselves, instead of trying to placate all the sides, we've identified who we are. And I think people have been, they've rallied to that, while some have been repelled to that. And they're like, nah, I don't want that. But we're not here to please everybody. We're here to do this. And in doing this, we pray that God will help us continue to get together and fulfill Psalm 133 and Acts chapter 2. And that God can reverse what he did in Genesis 11. And that we can rally around a good purpose, not an evil purpose. That we can not rebel against his word, but we can obey his word. And that we can be in one place. In one accord. Where the pastor and those who preach in this pulpit are not nebulous or double-minded, or subjective, or trying to please and become all things to everybody. So who are we and what is our one accord? 
that we gather around. It's this. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. I'm getting ready to put five things up here. You might want to get ready to either write them down or take a picture. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. Even though only three people said amen, we do believe the Bible is the Word of God. It's not a good book. It's not a conservative book. It is the Word of God, and it is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. The Bible says that the flowers wither and the grass fades. I'm sorry, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord stands forever. In this church, we believe the Bible is the word of God. Second thing we believe is that Jesus is the only way to the Father. There's no other way except through Jesus. John 14, 6. How many of you are thankful you know the way, the truth, and the life? Come on. Amen? Third thing that we believe is the church is the hope of the world. Because the church is the literal body of Christ. The manifest presence of God in the earth. The church is a pretty big deal in the right kind of way. Are y'all out there? Fourthly, please listen, hang on. At this church, if you want to be in with us, this is us. We believe the presence and power of the Holy Spirit or the glory of God is what makes the church, the church, the presence of God, we gather to encounter him. Are y'all out there? And I, I say it almost every week, if he doesn't show up, we're all wasting our time. How many have found that he regularly shows up around this place? Because we love him and we worship him. Amen? And the last thing, we believe this is that. What? We believe that, according to Acts chapter 2, I think it's verse 16, this, what's happening, is that which was prophesied. And so we're not going to live with our heads buried in the sand, hoping all this goes away. We're going to live in the Word of God. Oh, I'm fired up and it's ready to close this service. It's time to close. And, and I'm not going to let y'all sleep. Get if you get in this church, you're either going to get mad because you can't, or glad you can't stay lukewarm. You're either going to love me or hate me. You're going to love the purposes of God or hate the purposes of God. But we know who we are. Can I get a witness out there? Come on. And so, we're not going to live in fear. We're not going to shrink back because God has commanded a blessing over this place. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? He's commanded it. He's not trying to. Where you live, he's commanding a blessing there. And when we get together in one place, in one accord, dwelling in unity, that anointing, that provision is going to flow. And we're going to hear things, sounds from heaven in the name of Jesus. I want to ask you to stand to your feet quickly. And I, we're going to close this service. And I want to ask you to make a demonstrative move. If you are sitting there going, Pastor Chuck, I'm with you. I'm with the Word. I'm with restoration because restoration is not building a tower to compete with the power. I'm with you because this church truly values the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I'm asking God, fill me afresh. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. And in the name of Jesus, I speak from the top of the balcony, the back row under the balcony, to the front. In the name of Jesus, we will not fall into any routine. We won't fall into any ritualistic practice because this is that. What we're seeing, the Holy Spirit wants to keep us full and overflowing so he can empower us to do ministry in the earth. If you're here this morning, you're going, Pastor Chuck, I, I want more. I want more. I want you to step out and run to this altar in the name of Jesus. 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 I beg you, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, I plead with you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
holy and acceptable, reasonable act of worship in view of his mercy, that we will not be conformed to the pattern of this world. We won't fit in without thinking about it. We won't be put under the spell of what's happening in this world. Come on, come all the way in. If you all will, right there, just come all the way in. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord God. And you, you say, I want to be filled with his spirit. I want to have everything he wants me to have. Just lift your hands right there where you are. In the name of Jesus. I don't, we don't have time to pray for everybody, but God knows. He sees you right there where you are. Tell him, tell him, Lord, right now, I want more of you. I want all that you have for me. We praise you, Lord. If I get the worship team quickly, quickly, quickly to move out, be up here with me to help us lead. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you. Just tell the Lord. Tell the Lord. Personalize it. Tell him, I want more of you. I need more. Fill me up, Lord. I seek you. With all of my heart, I seek you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord God. In the name, Russ, in the name of Jesus, just lift your hands. What God has started in you, he's going to be faithful to complete it. You are a man of influence, a leader, and God wants all of you. There is more to you that he wants to do that you haven't even dreamt about. As you surrender to him, he's going to take you further to places you never thought that you would be in. He's going to give you things anointing he's going to provide and supply in the name of jesus he sees your heart hunger after him brother in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus over kevin right now in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we praise you lord just lift your hands and sing out is a hallelujah Fill us, Lord, as we worship. So I know it's not much. I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, on the wings of praise. Father, we hunger for you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, you said, 
The Father seeks those who will worship in spirit and in truth. Over each of these men and women, over their families, we declare Isaiah chapter 4 verse 5 that you would establish your glory upon their dwelling place, Lord, and upon our assemblies in the name of Jesus. I just praise you, Lord. I want to challenge those of you who are in the altar this morning. Just, just understand the importance of the first thing you do every day. Don't check Facebook or Instagram or anything else. If you could get that do, that part, that first part of your day, get the word from the Lord. Spend time in the word. There's so many apps, so many ways to get good devotions. I read through the Bible, and I normally read whatever the day is. Today is what, the 5th? I do it every day except Sunday. Sometime today before I go to bed, I will read Proverbs 5. And I read Oswald Chambers, my most for his highest. And I've got two of those things that I read that are on my iPhone. I can read them anywhere. And this is my daily walk Bible that I've been reading for over 25 years. Had to get a new cover for it a couple years ago. Brothers and sisters, as Paul said, I urge you, I plead with you. Spend time in the Word and watch God do amazing things in your life in the name of Jesus. Can we come together and agree as we dwell together in unity in one place, in one accord, He's going to command His blessing on this place and we're going to see His provision, His power, anointed ministry that brings breakthrough, supernatural ministry in the name of Jesus. Can we just agree on that, can we? Come on. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. And so, over each of you, I pray, may the Lord bless you, keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Come on, say it. I receive it. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon, a great week. I love you.